Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. In, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24, and, and you, you need to know that um, Saul has been pursuing David to take his life. David has a small band of followers. Most of them are, were malcontents, actually, uh, quite the group to lead. Um, and they had found themselves uh, kind of cornered by Saul and trapped, and they had hidden way back in the back of a cave. Well, wouldn't you know, that happened to be the cave that Saul decided he was going to relieve himself in. And so they're way in the back, and here comes Saul, and he, he walks in, and he's doing his business there, and, and Saul's buddies are all like, hey, I mean, I'm, thank you, thank you, Kenny, that's why you're here, praise God, thank you, <laughs> keep me straight, it's been a long night. Uh, so David's buddies uh, are, are like, hey, here's your chance, uh, you, can, you can take him out, and David actually sneaks up, and, and, and then all of a sudden he, he, he's... He says, this, this isn't right. So he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. I'm having a horrible day. Oh, thank you. And, and he cuts off that corner of his robe, and, and then Saul completes his business and walks out. And in verse 5, Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated, prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master, because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing, a dead dog, a flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. And when David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered you in, me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, 
Does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king. and The kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Um, lest I forget, and I probably already, uh, well, I already have, obviously, I want to remind you that when we are done here this morning, there is a card for Samantha Joy for you to write your name on to let her know in years ahead that uh, you were there and that you had promised to do all you can to share your love and the love of Jesus with her. So uh, please uh, hit that on the way out. Uh, hey, happy Father's Day. I haven't had a chance to say that to all you fathers out there. Uh, congratulations. Uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, Father's Day memories was early on uh, when Beth and Kathy got me a card and on Father's Day. And that card said that they renewed my contract for another year. <laughs> I loved it. I thought that was so cool. Um, and uh, so as to my knowledge, I, I've got another year this year, but I, I'm not sure. We'll talk to them later, I'm sure, uh, just to make sure. Um, it's great to be a father. And, and you know, our world frequently... Uh, paints fathers in a bad light, and uh, I'm afraid this morning we're going to add to that a little bit, Um, but I believe most fathers want to do the right thing. Um, I think most fathers want to really want to be the best they can be as a dad. I I don't think many go into it saying, well, I don't really want to be a dad, and and I'm not going to do what I can. I think most fathers try to do all that they can uh, to do uh, the right thing. I, as a matter of fact, this week we, we had an illustration of that. Uh, that, that poor dad, I can't, I can't imagine what it was like when that two-year-old boy was grabbed by that, that crocodile and uh, he was wrestling the crocodile trying to get his son away. I don't know if you heard this story, but oh, sad. And he, he couldn't and the little boy died. I, uh, it's got to kill him, just kill him. Um, did all he could. And, and so I, I believe that most dads want to do the right thing. Um, and, and this morning in our passage, we see David who um, has been uh, raised by Saul. I mean, David's family is a diverse family. I mean, it's quite the different family. I mean, you know, you may come from a different family where, you know, it's not just mom and dad, but there's steps or there's foster or there's all this other stuff. And and that's kind of David's life. David was a son of Jesse, and yet he's raised by Saul for part of his life. Um, And that's not that Jesse didn't like his son, uh, but it just worked out that the king needed his son in the king's service. And so David found himself working for the king, and Saul kind of took him under his wing. and, And it's kind of amazing story that they really had a a relationship. We forget that. And yet in recent chapters, as we've been looking through 1 Samuel, uh, this relationship has begun to sour. And now here is Saul trying to kill this one that he'd taken into his home. Of course, none of that would happen today, right? Um, Now, when your kids were teenagers, you may have thought about it. 
but not seriously. Unfortunately, um, some of this stuff gets set up in our children's lives, doesn't it? Um, I know families, unfortunately, where uh, one child is favored over the other, um, or a, they adopt a child, and then they have a child, and then the, the adopted child isn't treated uh, as the same as. Um, and, and that's just sad. Sad, because you know what? There's enough love to go around. That's the neat thing about being a dad. You get to love a whole bunch of people. You get to love uh, your spouse. You, you get to love your children. Um, and someday, some of you know what it's like to love your grandchildren. And some of you love your great-grandchildren. And some of you love... No, we don't. <laughs> um, but, but it's amazing as a dad what the opportunities are David's family is diverse. Our families are diverse. And so this morning, the question is, what's the right thing to do? What should David do? What should Saul do? What should you do? How do you know what the right thing is? And it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to say, well, that's the right thing. I don't know about you, but that question that we started with this morning, uh, some of you said, well, I know what the right answer is. Well, talk to me afterwards. I'm not going to give you the right answer because I want to know what you think is the right thing to do and how do you come to that? And it's not easy. What is the right thing to do? Um, I, I noticed that when David is trying to figure out the right thing, there's a lot of people talking in his ear. Did you notice that? Uh, all his buddies are saying, hey, this is your chance. God, they say, God has placed Saul into your hands. You see, they use the God card. I love that. You ever have people use the God card on you? Hey, well, God has said. And sometimes they pull it way out of context. Uh, I love this little phrase here. In seeking validation for your doctrine, you kill your ability to arrive at the truth. You see, the problem is, frequently we start with the answer we want and then try to get to the right answer from there. Isn't that true? So this is the answer I want uh, when it comes to a 17-year-old daughter dating a drug dealer. Well, it's simple. I'll just kill him. <laughs> now, that may be the answer I want. I know they do. It's not a good plan. Uh, or, or, or I'll just I'll just lock her in a closet till she's 25. Um, or or I'll, I'll make sure this doesn't happen. Uh, and yet there are things that are out of your control, aren't they? And sometimes we even put the God card on it. Well, God, God says that we should do. And frequently we take a piece out of Scripture. Usually when we're looking for these things, we find them in the Old Testament. <laughs> and we pull this piece out and we rip it out of the Scripture. It's like tearing a page out and say, hey, here's the answer. This is the right thing. Be very careful. David would have made a big mistake by killing Saul in that moment. That was not the right thing to do. God had a different plan. 
And David, if you read the story, you hear David really tempted. This would be a great opportunity. He could stop running. His life would be so much better. It sounds like the best thing to do. But you see, David understood the heart of God. And brothers and sisters in Christ, when you open the Word of God, when you start reading the Bible, it's important to come at it with the heart of God. Listen to God's voice. Open your heart to His heart. Otherwise, we take this piece, and we take this piece, and we put them together, and they frequently don't belong together at all. David knew the heart of God, and he knew that God would not want it. God had established the king. God had established it. And if God had established it, then it's God's, God's responsibility to change that, not his. And so he, he, he stops and he says, no, I'll just cut the corner of his robe. Then he'll know that I had the opportunity. But I will not, I will not raise my hand against the king, the Lord's anointed. Now, in the Old Testament, there's nowhere up till this point where it says, don't kill the king. As a matter of fact, Saul's the first king of Israel. Remember that. Okay, so this is all new stuff. How did David know? Well, he knew the heart of God. And many years later, the Apostle Paul would write, Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will, listen, bring judgment upon whom? (coughs) Excuse me. Upon themselves. Now, um, just just a moment to, to step back and and say, you know, um, I hear a lot of things um, about those who are in authority over us. Um, and, and I would just caution you that God has placed it. You don't have to agree with them. It's, David didn't agree with Saul. Didn't agree with him at all. But he recognized that God had placed Saul in authority And it was up to God to deal with that. How do you know that? Because he knew the heart of God. When we try to figure out what's right, we need to know the heart of God. And what's really neat is God sent his heart, we call him Jesus, to come and to Be the truth for us. Now, I want to be clear about something. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, uh, I speak the truth. He didn't say, "I, I know the truth. He said, I am the truth. If you want to know what's right, if you want to discern the truth, you have to know the truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ. And the more you get to know Him, the better you will know. You'll be able to discern the truth in a situation. And you'll be able to say, this is the right thing to do. It may not be the right thing tomorrow, but as I know Jesus Christ, and I have dealt with Jesus Christ, and I've seen Him at work, and as I follow Him, the truth, now I begin to see what is the right thing. 
So Jesus calls us to follow him that we might know the truth. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, if we know the truth, the truth will do what? Set us free. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden we begin to come at people and at life with an idea of who Jesus is and begin to follow him. And all of a sudden the right things begin to be easier to see because we know the truth. So how does this pull itself out? Well, first of all, you've got to study the word, that, that letter that God has written uh, that has told us all about Jesus and who he is and all about God and who he is and allows us to understand him the best that we can understand him. And the more we get to know him, the more we understand what his way and his will and what the truth of a situation is. If you want to know the right thing, you have to discern the truth. And discerning the truth begins by knowing the truth. And then begin to work out of the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. Jesus' heart is an awesome thing that, that begins to flow through us and And as we begin to learn his heart, the right thing begins to get easier to see. Whether we're at work, or whether we're on vacation, or whether we're at home with our children, or our parents. Discern the truth to know the right thing to do. Also, uh, you know, we, we need to start respecting each other. David respects Saul despite all that Saul's doing against him. He, he, he respects who he is. He even calls him his father. He's my father in verse 11. That, that's amazing. He respects this relationship that they have. Yeah, Saul isn't doing it right. Yeah, Saul is being a, a pain. Yeah, Saul isn't doing what he should be doing. But David understands that Saul is broken, just like the rest of us, and we're all broken, and despite our brokenness, we're still called to respect one another. And so David respects Saul despite his brokenness. Now, sometimes that's hard to do, right? I have people tell me all the time, but I can't respect that person because they're not respectable. I know they're not respectable, but they hold a position. And that position deserves respect. Whether it's a person who is in a political position, a person who's in a religious position, a person who is in a school position, We are called to respect one another because when we respect one another, then we begin to build healthy relationships and those healthy relationships will begin to help us to see the truth and to know the right thing to do. It's always right to treat one another with respect. 1 Peter 2.17 tells us, show proper respect to to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. There it is, all right there. Respect your family. Parents, respect your children. Children, respect your parents. Respect your neighbor. Show each other respect, because when we treat one another with respect, then those relationships begin to change. It amazes me. Did you listen to our passage this morning? David shows respect to Saul, and all of a sudden Saul begins to turn around. Did you notice that? 
Saul says, surely, David, you are more righteous than I. He he sees in David something different. And it begins to touch him and change him. I love it. Somebody asked me this week, do you think God could really change this person? It's a person they were having a struggle with. Do you really think God could change that person? I said, you bet I do. Why would I be in this job if I didn't believe God could change everybody? That's why I'm here. Because I believe that God can transform us with his love. You see, God sent his son to die for us so that we could be forgiven. And the neatest part about being forgiven is you are set free. And I love being set free just to respect one another and care for other people no matter who they are. Because I have been forgiven. I now have this wonderful gift to share with everybody. It's called the gift of forgiveness. You see, we often forget that Jesus forgave us not just to allow us to have eternal life and not just to allow us to live a free life, but he forgave us so that we could forgive others. Oh, no, God, that's not what I got in this for. I'm okay being forgiven. I want to be forgiven, but you want me to forgive other people? What? And as you begin to forgive, you can even respect those who really don't deserve your respect. But as you do, what's amazing is God begins to touch their hearts. Now, that doesn't mean they'll change, but I believe they can. And I've seen it happen just every once in a while, just often enough. As a matter of fact, I'm wondering if God wants to change you this morning. Maybe maybe he's saying to you this morning, listen, I love you. I, I died for you. And you haven't been living a very good life, but I still, I still love you. And I respected you enough to send my son to die for you. What would happen if you showed me some respect and offered your life to me? Would that make you a different person? We've all been broken. We've all been hurt. But Jesus came to heal those hurts. And allow us to forgive one another so that we could respect each other, so that we could have right relationships with everybody. Who is it that you've written off? Who is it that you've decided God could never change them? Or maybe it's you. God could never change me. This morning I want you to know that God can. If you want to know the right thing, begin to treat each other rightly. And watch God work. And he'll reveal the right way. And then finally, um, David David just simply does good. Did you notice that? He just does good. He does good to Saul. He does good. He just wants to do good. When I I was in school, um, I loved math. I don't know. How many of you love math? A couple of you. I'm just trying to see if you're awake. (laughs) If you love math, you'll know the part that I hate is probably the part you hate. You see, I loved math, but the problem was I had these 
math teachers. Um, and I would come up with the right answer. And they would mark it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I either didn't do it the right way, or, or more often than not, what I didn't do was show my work. Have you ever heard that? Show your work. How can I know if you understand it if you're not showing it? You might have guessed and come up with the, answer, the right answer. And I, I always kind of scratched my head. The answer was 0.2785439. How could I ever guess that? Well, that's right. What's the probability of my guessing that? Show your work. David showed his work. He was kind to Saul, even though Saul didn't deserve it. He showed his work. You know, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we often talk about, well, all we need to do is believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I believe that. But when you believe on Jesus Christ, then he calls you to follow him. In other words, to show your work. Do you really love him? If you want to do the right thing, begin to do good. Just do good. David is very clear. I love what he says. Haven't you heard the old saying? From evildoers come what? Evil deeds. Oh, pfft. Well, what's then the opposite of that? From good doers come good deeds. Exactly. Start to do good. I heard Andy Stanley the other day, uh, no, this a few months ago, um, and I loved what he said. He said, you know what? I try to tell people that maybe what, what you need to do is just to try following Jesus. Just try doing it Jesus' way. He says, rather than trying to convince them all there is about Jesus, he says, simply just try to follow Jesus' way. Just do it. And he says, and I guarantee you this is what will happen. Your life will be better, and you'll be a better person. And he says, you know what happens? They, they do it Jesus' way, and they discover that they have a better life, because they feel better about themselves and their relationships, and they're a better person. And he says, you know what happens? Then they want to be a follower of Jesus for life. And then I can share with them all the extra stuff that comes with that. Right relationships. Knowing the truth. Loving even your enemies. Because that's what David did, isn't it? He loved Saul, who should have been his enemy, but he loved him. Jesus calls us to love our enemies, doesn't he? And to pray for those who persecute us. That you may be, what? Children of whom? Your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the, the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know why? Because he loves everybody. You want to do the right thing? Love somebody. Do good to them. You can't go wrong. You can't miss. Because that's what Jesus does. That's what our God does. Love one another. So your daughter is 17 years old. What's the truth that you'd bring to that situation? Or better yet, What's the truth that you bring to your situation where you struggle, where you're not sure what the right thing is? Have you brought Jesus into the situation? Because you know he is the truth. 
And maybe the problem isn't them. Maybe the problem's you and the way you're treating other people. There's a thought. And maybe maybe what God's calling you to do is to love somebody that right now doesn't feel real lovable to you. So that they might see. So that they might know that there is a God who loves them and wants to change their lives. What's the right thing to do? Let's bow forward to God for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here this morning and just so for all the exciting things we have seen. Thank you for being our truth. We ask that you would help us to know you better so that we could better discern what the right thing is. Pray especially for fathers today, Lord. They might seek uh, to have right relationships, not just with their children and with their spouses, but at work and, and wherever they find themselves. Lord, we, we pray that we all would love each other more. That the right thing wouldn't be so hard to figure out. That we would be willing to love. We'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.